Thank you, Tom. Thank you, guys, so much for that wonderful worship. That song, y'all, is just a powerful song of reminder to us. You know, as I was sitting there singing it, I was just hit with the fact that God's not done with me yet, you know? There's still more that God wants to do in our lives. And that's why I really appreciate God's Word, is this is how He changes us so often. It's through His Word. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow over with me over to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 9. And then the rest of the text uh, that is referenced on the front of your bulletin, we will get to as we go through the message today. <clears throat> Let us stand. For the reading of the gospel. Again he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him. That he got into a boat on the sea and sat there. While the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them. Listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And Jesus said, let anyone with ears to hear, listen. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Y'all, we live in one of the most privileged errors in all of history when you think about it we have unparalleled access to the word of God I mean we encounter the word of God in so many different ways today that throughout history were just not available to people I mean we have the Bible in a written form you know we have it uh, we probably have at least probably three four ten Bibles some of us have at home in print version if you have your smartphones with you this morning, you have digital forms of the Bible in, in probably dozens of different translations. You know, I was reading some research about how the Word of God is presented to us today, and there are over 3,000 different translations or versions of the Word of God. There is actually nearly 800 different language translations of the Bible. So there's all of this access through, through the print, through audio, through movies even that illustrate the Bible to us. Like the Chosen series, which is a little bit of, it's not word for word, it's not literal. But there are literal uh, visual presentations of the Bible. Like, um, I think it's, uh, well I forget them now. But you can go on the Bible.com and you can find a lot of them there. And they're wonderful. And they help us to engage the Bible in so many different ways. Now, I think that a lot of accessibility to the Bible is a good thing. It's very good. 
But what is even better than having all this accessibility is when we start engaging with the Bible and we let it have a voice and an influence in our life. That is what is even better. Now the Bible talks about two dynamics that are at work um, when it comes to the Word of God. The first of those dynamics is that God communicates His Word to us. Through divine revelation, God gives us His message, His Word, His revelation. But then there's the human side of the equation as well where we receive the Word of God. Let me touch on just the divine element for just a moment before we get to the human side. In Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 through 11 The prophet says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, the Lord says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now, what in the world is Isaiah talking about here? He's, he's, you know, when it comes to, the, to God's Word, it's not just descriptive, but it's, it's creative. Now, what do I mean by the nuance of language? Now, there is in our language, performance language and descriptive sorts of language. Descriptive language would be you walk into this room and you describe what you see in here. You know, you see lights, you see a person standing on the stage, you see chairs that are are, a reddish color, you see your friends, you see food. You experience the room and then you describe it. Descriptive language. There's also a performance-based language. Think of a judge. You go before the judge and the judge says to you, you are guilty. That is performance language. In other words, it, there, it, there, is a, there is an action that responds to that word. There is a reality that is created by that word. If a judge says you're guilty, then guess what? Then you're liable for a crime. And you have to pay the price for it. Think of a baseball umpire. You're standing up at the plate. You're batting. The ball comes across. You swing. The umpire says, strike three. You're out. That is performance language. It is basically saying that the actions that have, have taken and have been spoken determine and influence the outcome of the game. There is a reality that is affected by those words. Now when it comes to God's word, it's not descriptive. God doesn't just simply look at the creation and describe it. But rather, God calls all of creation into existence through His very spoken Word. It affects reality. It changes things. This this word, we might say, is actually creative in what it does. That's why Isaiah can say that as the rain and the snow come down, they don't return without affecting their purpose, what they were sent to do. In the same way, God's Word changes things. It affects reality. 
This is the divine word that has come to us through the prophets, down through history, through the law, and ultimately that has come to us through the word made flesh, Jesus, that the gospels talk about. Jesus incarnates the word of God in flesh among, among us and fully reveals God's word. That word, when spoken, as we have seen throughout the gospel of Mark, it affects change. Jesus just speaks the word and people are healed. Demons are cast out. Nature obeys through these very spoken words. Hearts are changed. Our realities are changed. This is why you cannot read the word of God and engage with it without it influencing your life and changing you. If we open up our hearts just the least little bit to the word of God, and let it into our minds and our hearts. This word that, that's created the universe itself. You cannot be the same person afterwards. So Isaiah gives us the divine dynamic of the word of God. Now let's look at the parable really quickly here. And talk about our response to it. So in this parable of the sower. Which is, uh, appears in, in most of the gospels in some form. A word for word in Matthew's gospel. So, so Jesus gives this parable. And, and he really is the sower in this parable. So Jesus is the sower. And the seed that the sower is, is planting is the divine word which is powerful. But here's the thing. God respects our freedom. That's right. He respects our freedom. The word doesn't overwhelm us. It, it invites us to respond to it. And when we do, that's when it has the ability to affect change. And that's the point that Jesus is going to talk about. That there are different ways that we respond to the, to the word of God. And so Jesus teaches this parable to the crowds. And then he does something very interesting he withdraws from the crowd a little bit later and he teaches the disciples what the parable means. In other words, Jesus gives us his message, his sermon about the parable. And listen to his explanation. So the first instance, the seed that is scattered among the path. He says, the sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So he's talking about this, the, the practice in, in Palestine of how farmers would sow their fields. So there were these little pathways in between the different fields. And when a sower would go out to sow, they would have a bag of seed. And they would take the seed and they would fling it into their field and consequently some of that seed would fall along that hardened pathway and Jesus says that the word is like that too that it gets cast out it it goes and some of it lands in the hard places where an enemy comes and steals it and you know it makes me think about that it's it's hard to imagine no one having exposure to the Word of God today. I mean, the Word is so prevalent in our culture. 
We, can watch, we see TV, people making references to the Bible. We have churches on every corner. There are Bibles in, in libraries, in schools, in some places, and even in the hospitals. I mean, the Word of God is everywhere. It's hard to ignore it. There is constant exposure to the message of Christ. But here's what people don't have. It's understanding of it. You see, the seed that cannot penetrate will not produce a harvest. And sometimes our hearts are like that. It's like that hard path, almost like concrete. And we hear the word, but we don't really understand it. We don't let it in. Now, let me let you in on a secret. For those of us who preach and teach out of the Word of God on an ongoing basis, I've been preaching and teaching weekly for nearly 25 years. So I have engaged the Scriptures nearly every week of my last 25 years. And even before that, before going into the ministry, I was encountering the Word of God. But as, as a preacher and teacher of the Word, I can tell you, that just because I'm exposed over and over to the Word in that way doesn't necessarily mean that it, that it affects change in my life. And here's what I mean by that. Because it's so easy for me to, to read and study the Scripture, prepare a message, and bring it to you and say, God, that's a great word for them. <laughs> and it not really speak to me. And you know what that's like too. Any of you that has taught the Word, or even just sitting in here listening to a message, you might say, well, Jimmy, that's a great message, but it's not for me. You see, when we have that sort of response, that is the response of a hardened heart. So exposure alone is not transformational. Engagement, understanding, Asking questions of the Bible, studying the scriptures, living within the text and letting it wrestle with your life and convict you and speak to you. That's how the word can penetrate. And Jesus says, beware that your heart is hardened to the word. But you know what? Even if we have hard hearts. They can be cultivated. Hard ground can be cultivated. It just needs to be plowed. And I am convinced that God can do that by the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we come in with a hardened heart. And before we leave, God has wrecked us. And said, this is for you. So I am hopeful of that. But I'm also reminded that it is up to me to be receptive. And engage the scriptures in order for it to bear fruit in my life. So the question really becomes for us is how is this a word for me? How is this speaking to me? Now Jesus goes on in his sermon to give the second point in verse 16. He says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root and endure only for a while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So what Jesus 
is talking about here is there's no root. You see, he's not talking about rocky soil, soil that has a lot of rocks in it. But he's talking about a shallow level of soil on top of rock. And he says the seed gets planted there, it quickly sprouts. It looks healthy as long as there's the right amount of rainfall, the right amount of sunshine, it doesn't get too hot or too cold or anything like that, then a shallow-rooted plant can live. But as soon as hardship comes, as soon as the sun scorches, as soon as a drought happens or a famine or persecution in your life, then the life of that plant is jeopardized. So what do we do when the spiritual enthusiasm wears off? Now, at Breakthrough, we were at with the youth over the holidays, uh, one of the, the, the retreat leader there preached on this text. And he had far better illustrations than me. He had like uh, these different pots with all these different plants representing these things that Jesus is talking about. And on the one where it goes on the rocky path and the birds eat it, he had a little pot with a, a devil bird in it <laughs> eating up the seed. But the thing is, we can go away and experience the Word of God. It retreats like breakthrough. Or we can come on a Sunday morning and we can hear a message. And we might leave and we might have good intentions. That there's enthusiasm around the Word of God and letting it into my life. But as soon as things get tough, as soon as something challenges that or challenges me, then we tend to fall away. We tend to wither. What we've got to learn to do is hang in there in the tough times. We have to learn to persevere in the faith. We have to even learn to persevere with the Word of God. It may not be speaking a lot to me in this moment, in this season, or even this Sunday, but we stay with it. And over time, our roots begin to grow deep as we grow in our understanding. Some of you may be saying, you know, there was a season in my life when I was excited about the Word, but I didn't cultivate it. And when that happens, we can fall away. We can drift into a season out of God's Word and allowing it to have influence on our lives. What we have to learn to do is to cultivate the soil of our heart in every season. Day in, day out. Week in and week out. You put down your roots by engaging with the Word of God consistently. Now what I'm talking about here is your spiritual practices. What are you doing to engage with the life-sustaining Word of God consistently in your life? Have you ever tried Lectio Divina? Just Google it. It's a wonderful spiritual exercise of allowing the Word to speak. What about a Bible reading plan? That's a great way to consistently engage God's Word. And also reading Scripture with other people. Y'all, I find... You know, when I teach the Word, I am taught. You know, to, to, uh, to learn sometimes requires you to teach something. And when we're in a group setting and we are doing that, we are deepening our roots, deepening our understanding. I want to encourage you to do more of that. 
The third point Jesus makes here in verse 18, he says, and others are those sown among the thorns. In other words, the seed sometimes gets cast among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, Jesus says, but the cares of the age and the lure of wealth and the desire of other things come in and choke the word and it yields nothing. So he's talking about the word that's sown among the thorns and the thistles. Now this happens a lot. There is a strong desire to serve God and to follow Him. But there are also other equally competing desires in our life. And if we're not attentive to God's Word, these other desires can come in and disconnect us. Y'all, this is a real challenge that we face we live in a world every day that fans our desires. Like yesterday, I went to Kroger. And I was turning into the Kroger parking lot off of the, the parkway there. And what was going on out there on the corner yesterday? Did any of y'all drive by there? What, what was going on? Free coffee. I mean, every student from Mississippi College was out there promoting this coffee. I mean, you pull up and there's music jamming and there's kids on every corner or students, not kids, but students. They're holding their little sign spinners are out there. You know, they've got the A-frame signs. I'm thinking, we, the church, needs to take a lesson out of this. Y'all, we need to have sign spinners out there on Sunday mornings. We need to have A-frames directing people around our campus because it's kind of confusing. And we need young people out there saying, come on in here. We've got something free. Y'all, we have free coffee. We do. Y'all, I wasn't wanting any coffee. But as soon as I pulled up and I saw that, you know what, I, what happened? I wanted some coffee. I wanted that coffee. Y'all, there are all these things out there in the world that are pulling at us, enticing our desires. Pull, and if we're not careful, we can pull, be pulled away from the things that are most important. We can begin to have a nagging discontentment in our souls that we're never satisfied. And y'all, these things are like thorns and thistles. And if we're not careful, they choke out the desires that God has for us and His Word in our life. What are the thorns and thistles in your life that you're constantly battling? You pull up one weed and another one pops up. There's all these things challenging, crowding out your devotion time. How distracted we can be. The question that really Jesus is pointing to here is what are we paying attention to? What are we reading? What are we digesting that defines our purpose, our meaning in life? The big questions. What place does the Word of God have in that conversation? Do you know? Jesus finally ends here this parable in verse 20 and He says, These are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. 
The thing is, if we let the Word of God into our minds and into our hearts, it will change us. If we are the good soil, it will produce amazing fruit in our life. We have to cultivate it. We have to water it. We have to seek understanding. And we have to give our attention to it. If we do that, it will impact you. It will produce a harvest. I was telling Tom this week um, a way to kind of frame up this message. Your heart determines your harvest. Now I know I read that somewhere. Probably on a Facebook post or something. But it's so true. Your heart determines your harvest. And if we invite that word in and give it a home in our heart. It will make you more alive. It will make you more generous. It will make us more kind. And it will make us more joyful. I am confident that the Word of God will produce what it is intended to produce if we will allow it. We only need to cooperate with it. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your Holy Word. Lord, it has divine power to transform our lives. And God, I know that there are some here today that, that would say, yes, the Bible has transformed my life because it has introduced me to the life changer, Jesus, and His message. It has introduced me to the God of heaven that cared for me so much. That He would come in the man Jesus, in this human, human man, to reveal Your love and Your message to us. And that has changed our lives. God, we know that You are not done with us yet. That You make beautiful things that you can bring a beautiful harvest of fruit into our lives if we will continue to engage your word. Lord, stir up in us even greater hunger and thirst. And Lord, if it's been a while since we picked up our Bibles, I pray that when we leave here today that we would make a plan to do that give your word a home in our hearts to change us to keep shaping and molding us according to your righteousness thank you for the word we pray in the name of the one who is the living word, Jesus, our Savior.
it's in his name we pray.